0: to you by the People's Association. In this episode, we will explore the skill that makes us thrive in this VUCA, Volatile, Uncertain, Complex, Ambiguous world. We'll be talking about adaptability. I'm your host, Ryan Lee. Joining us today is our special guest, who is a business and marketing transformation leader with over 20 years of experience in senior leadership roles across the globe. She has racked up extensive industry experience from her in both public and private sectors such as Singapore Economic Development Board, Singapore Technologies, Sambawang Corp, Denshi, Yang and Rubicum, and IBM. More recently, she was a senior leader in the tech industry as Chief Digital and Marketing Officer of Fuji Xerox Singapore. Let's welcome Suzy Wong to the Industry Guru podcast series. Hi Suzy, thank you for taking time to chat with us today.
1: Hi Ryan, delighted to be here to have this conversation.
0: Oh, the pleasure is mine. As one of the few women leaders in the tech industry, could you tell us more about your professional journey and how has it been thus far?
1: I see my professional journey in three phases, right? I think of it as phase one, being exploratory, whereby I spend most of my time actually in the public sector space and government-linked companies doing predominantly business development type work. Second phase, um, I think of it as a defining phase because that was when I moved from public sector to private sector and that's where I really hone in on my skills as a B2B marketer in the tech space. And then the third phase is uh, the phase I'm in now, I think of it as a transformative phase, whereby I'm looking at all that I've learned in terms of how I can continue to grow, contribute in new organisational settings, cultural backgrounds and all that. So that basically is, you know, how I look upon my professional journey. It may sound like, you know, it is pre-planned and all that, but nothing is further from the truth, right? It's only on hindsight when I reflect and look at it and say, hey, by God's grace, that was how it has panned out.
0: For phase three, you're just beginning that journey, yes?
1: Yes, yes, that's right. I'm excited about the learning and the growth
0: that awaits. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, considering the various leadership roles you've had so far and having to manage teams, right, which is not just local teams, but also of across various regions, I'm sure you're no stranger when it comes to adapting quickly to constant changing and evolving environments. So. Could you tell us some of your moments in your professional career where you had to be extremely adaptable?
1: I would like to correlate that right to the three phases in my professional journey and as I was reflecting about it you know I can't help but actually laugh about it as well. So the first phase was uh, when I joined the public sector as a rookie. This is like 20-30 years ago before email was available, before online meetings and all that right and I was involved in doing prep work for a G2G project on tourism. In those days you know, I would tag along with a senior colleague and we would take the first flight out to a neighboring city in the ASEAN region to meet with the secretary to a minister to do the prep work for the MOU signing and all that and I remember us going on the flight and, and it was the same day turnaround. We would go there filled with you know, a list of agenda in terms of things we want to talk about but after a few of these single day trips we realized we're not getting anywhere because half the time the system was being called out by the minister and it was frustrating to say the least but we learned to make it work because he was an effective and the only gatekeeper to the entire thing right to the entire discussion prep work so that was I guess you know, my first foray into international business relations and culture. So that was the first. And the second one was when I moved from the public sector to the private sector. And I thought I knew how bureaucracy is spelled. Little did I realize when I joined this big multinational which had 400,000 people across the globe, right? My first time into tech, matrix organization, and meetings of businesses were conducted through teleconferences, phone calls and all that. I started as an integrated Marcom program manager, which meant that I had to basically manage multiple stakeholders locally, overseas, across business units, and all that. It's like bam. Because it was an American organization, when you go to a meeting everyone has a point of view and it was very challenging to be able to decipher who do I listen to whose opinion counts and who should I just ignore
0: it's going to be so different from your public sector kind of experience isn't it
1: yes yes you know everything was sort of a lot more neater right in terms of decision making so yeah so it was a whirlwind I was you know and I had to learn very quickly because I was a project manager managing program budgets and if I didn't execute there would be issue. The third was when I moved across commercial entities where I was um, brought in to join a company to play the role of a change agent, basically rethink and build a marketing organization. The organization I came from was one that I would say pretty advanced and progressive in its craft, right, in the marketing space. So in the organization that I joined, I basically had to bring the new vision and build it and co-create it with the team. It was a challenging start because I had to navigate not just building a new discipline, right, aka marketing, but also understanding the new culture and all that. You know, the strategy may be aligned with uh, the CEO and my peers in terms of needs to be done, but the proof of the pudding, as they say, is in the eating, the execution. So that proved to be another sort of very exciting, lots of learning, and when I look back, I can only be thankful that uh, I survived
0: those experiences everybody knows that they should change but not many people wants to change right but what was at stake across these three scenarios that you have stated to us I mean, what's really at stake and why is it really necessary uh, to be adaptable
1: it was survivor basically because in all of these three instances right i had to make it work because you know, not doing anything or leaving things as they were was not an option. So, when I joined from public to private sector in this large, heavily matrix organisation, as I said, you know, my responsibility was program management. I was held accountable to a set of deliverables in terms of how programs should run to generate demand. And I had to understand how to orchestrate the matrix so that I can, you know, at a personal, professional level, deliver on the outcome. It was basically survivor. And, Then um, in the other example, in terms of effecting that transformation, that was what I was brought in to do as a change agent to build the marketing competency. So I had to make it work because there was no other choice in the sense that it was basically Uh, you need to adapt in order to survive to make it work and to deliver
0: besides survival man does it also bring you better opportunities as a result of your actions of being able to adapt
1: definitely so i think in the process of adaptation i would say right there were many moments of epiphany and the moment of epiphany happened for me when i realized that when you talk about adapting it's really about veering from your base behavior right so we all have whatever situations environments styles that we're comfortable with i think adapting for me is really realizing that you are not practicing your usual style in your natural dna environment you have to practice a different style that is not intuitive to you in order to make it work but at the same time you're at peace you know you can to some extent comfortably navigating, I think that's when you know we can look to ourselves and say hmm I think I'm adaptable, I can make it work whether you want to do it for the long haul or not I think it's a different story but at least you know you sort of prove your own matter to yourself that okay I can switch around, I can modify my behaviour depending on what it takes to make it work. I think the keyword is at peace uh, with whatever style that you have.
0: But these days, that seems to be like a default skill you need to have, right, in this kind of working environment that we have.
1: Yeah, definitely. Because uh, I think it's Hobson's choice, right? I mean, people say, oh, do you need to adapt? As I said earlier, it's survivor. You don't have a choice. You have to learn. I mean, unless you know your own cocoon and all that and you know a different world altogether. But as long as you are economically active, you have to.
0: So it's no longer business as usual, but business unusual. So you mentioned some of it earlier, right? To the challenges when it comes to adapting, which is the uncomfortable feeling that you will normally have to get by default. So how did you go about managing these kind of challenges, especially when it comes to adaptation?
1: I think two things, right? so when we talk about challenges we at a personal level right you'll always be tempted at points right to sort of give up so a couple of things that i do over time one is examine your personal motivations because when you are faced with a crisis or a challenge the cause of least resistance is exit and bail out then you always have to ask yourself right why am i here in the first place so examine your own personal motivation and for me as i said happened multiple times when i joined the tech firm i was new to tech i remember for the first six months right and i kid you not every single day i asked myself am i going to quit the next day for six months Why did I join, right? I had a certain set of objectives and my own social contract with myself was that I would review at the end of two years because that was the time that I felt I needed to give myself to learn and the organisation. So at every juncture when I say, okay, am I going to quit tomorrow? I ask myself, what is my personal motivation? Have my objectives changed? If they have not changed, then I need to soldier on. And then the question is, how do I help myself? I was consuming tech literature every weekend for six months, okay? That's not in my natural behaviour because I'll be consuming fashion and stuff like that, to be honest. You know, I needed to bring myself to equilibrium and steady state, right? So, how do I help myself and how do I leverage, you know, on my peers and all that? So, I think it's essential when we are faced with challenges to really examine our personal motivations. So, that's one and therefore also go back to the anchor of your own belief systems. You know, for me, it's my Christian faith. You know, For others, maybe something else. I think that's really important. So that's the first. The second thing is, don't be afraid to ask for help. I have two or three people who reverse mentor me because I want to keep in touch with what's happening. And I think it's so essential that when we don't know, we have to ask, right? And it's okay to ask somebody who's half our age because we learn from each other. So I think check in that ego and pride at the door and don't be afraid to ask for help because... Nobody has all the answers for sure
0: Now still on the topic of mindset I think I've heard a lot of people talk about this as well Uh, And one of the reasons for not going or wanting to adapt is that Naturally, most people assume that adapting requires a lot of compromises Now is that true and what is your personal view of that?
1: I don't necessarily agree Because I think when you think of adapting It's about effecting a change to make something work in a situation compromise to me involves a concession involves a trade-off so i think that when it comes to adapting to situations and styles and all that it can be win-win versus a compromise which implies you know win-lose kind of situation so like for example in the instance where i talked about navigating a marketing transformation change as a change agent. I had in mind, okay, you know, this can't be too difficult. I'm going to effect a marketing transformation within a year. It didn't quite pan out that way because of the people factor, the culture and all that. And I had to adapt to make it work. It took longer. But I personally benefited from the process because I learned new things about my own leadership. I really don't think that adaptation involves compromise. I mean, in some instances it may, but I think across the board, it can be a win-win situation.
0: You don't always have to lose something valuable as a result.
1: Exactly, yeah. And you can learn something in the process and to me, that is a win, you know, in itself.
0: Maybe we can then change our conversations and shift a little bit of gears towards the organisation as a whole. Now there's been a lot of changes in the past year that has put a lot of pressure on the workforce as a whole. And individual workplaces have especially become very agile and quick in adapting to changes. So from your leadership view, how do you think workplaces can actively cultivate adaptability among employees and foster an agile workplace culture?
1: I think of it as um three things right and for me personally the easy way to remember is the three m the first m is mission i think there must be clarity of purpose one of the things that gets my goal when it comes to agile is that oh i need you to do this you know because you need to be agile that to me is, is an excuse and it's cliche right so when it comes to mission the clarity of goals i think it's very important that individuals are able to describe what success looks like you must be able to visualize it so that's the first m mission then, membership, the people in the group is no longer about hierarchy and all that. People are members, right? Because they bring to bear a set of skills. So it can be multidisciplinary, it can be multifunctional, right? But people have a specific contribution to make in terms of the end outcome. And that's where the team becomes very self directed in terms of how they drive to the outcome. So that's the membership. And the third bit is, of course, metrics measurement and in an agile world unlike a waterfall world whereby there's a saying right the annual plans are dead because your plans are alive and they need to iterate cost correct at every juncture so the metrics become important in terms of what are the uh, minimum viable success indicators your and all that and failing you know is part of the process many organizations say oh it's okay to fail right but you know you think about it i was just reflecting uh, previously every quarter right you have the programs that rock campaigns that succeed best practices, right? Why do we not have like worst practices? Why do we not have stuff that rewards, right? Within code, Code performing uh, programs, right? Of course, We exist in a commercial world and it has to show results. But the question is, you know, the pay to success, right, is pay with failures. Before you get there, going back to the original question, clarity about the mission, the membership, metrics, measurement.
0: Uh, Allow me to also uh, maybe switch gears a little bit and talk about the businesses as a whole, right? And some businesses adapt and diversify very well amidst the pandemic, while others struggle to keep up. Now, from your point of view, do you have any examples of those companies organisations who have adapted effectively and perhaps can you tell us why you think that they stand out to you? I
1: think there are a few examples that sort of you know, jump off the page. One of course most people would be very familiar with and which I will not talk about at length is Apple. How we started as a pioneer of personal computers, and then move on to the colourful iMacs, then to personal media, portable devices like the iPod, 1000 songs in your pocket, I can still remember that, to touch screen phones and then to tablets, and now they're into digital services, right? So that's Apple, I think is a well-known story. But the example that I want to talk a little bit more about is this 90-year-old company, nine zero. It's privately owned. The target segments is from age 4 to 99. Wow every 2.7 seconds one of its customers would upload a picture online in terms of what he or she would have made of the product this company arguably only has one product and the product measures three centimeters by one and a half centimeter
0: okay you keep me guessing (laughs) (laughs) what
1: is that Uh,
0: so that's lego Oh, from, wow, literally from cradle to grave My goodness
1: (laughs) You know, just by way of context Before I sort of share about why I think They're such a worthy company to look at, right Is that Lego continues to be rated As the number one most loved toy in the world globally Today, they are at about 6 billion US In terms of revenue Their competitors would be people like Hasbro They are the guys who are responsible For Power Rangers and Transformers They do about 4.5 million They are from the US uh, Listed on Nasdaq then the other company that's probably quite well-known is Mattel, about $1.5 billion, responsible for Barbie, Fisher-Price, again listed in Nasdaq. You know, when you think about it, oh, how do I build an agile organisation? For them, for Lego, when I think about it, right, going back to their mission to basically inspire and develop Builders of Tomorrow, right, so their core essential offering is the break. And you think about it, there are not many organisations today can brag or talk about the fact that they're on top of the game in terms of being a market leader when their segmentation is from age 4 to 99 I don't know of that many you know personally I'm not a Lego fanatic and all that but I I just think it's such a
0: heartwarming and inspiring story well I'm going to ask you to inspire others at the individual level now that I've heard your views about the corporate level we know that change is constant and often very uncomfortable and as a result it's easier said than done when adapting to changes so I'm going to ask you to inspire the folks who are listening out there how can they want right adopt a very positive attitude towards change in their personal as well as their professional life? I think if we can agree on the basic premise
1: that I want to be better tomorrow than I am today, if people subscribe to that notion, then I think that's a good starting point. So for me, it's very important to learn new things And to grow Therefore, I'm always up For new things Adventures and all that You know, you know as long as It's legal and compliant And all that <laughs> kind of stuff, right? The learning mindset And the comfort, right? In, in taking risks Because learning comes Or growth comes From discomfort, right? If you're very comfortable With what they're doing And not growing And probably not learning as well And my mantra is I want to be better tomorrow Than I am today And therefore If there are opportunities To learn new things I'm game for it In relation to that Then there must be a certain level of comfort with failures right and say hey you know as i learn something i may not be very good at it and it's okay right like i said earlier don't take yourself so seriously uh, for me personally what is very important is uh, going back to what i said earlier in terms of what your anchor is right uh, for me my anchor is my christian faith then the third thing i would say in addition to the learning mindset and being resilient falling back on your anchor is um, a grateful heart. I practice since the beginning of the year, right? I've been practicing daily gratitude. And I think it sort of starts off your day. They say that exercise starts off your day positive track with endorphins and all that. And I try to do that four days in a week as well. But I would say, you know, if you start the day by giving thanks, it just puts a different spin on things. So I do think that it's so important to start with your mind because if your mind can conceive it, your heart can believe it.
0: Thank you so much, Susie, for that inspiring as well as hopeful encouragement and also your candid views and valuable insights. I'm sure our friends from the PMET network community who are listening in would greatly benefit from it. Thank you so much. Most of all, thank you, listeners, for tuning in to the People's Association Industry Guru podcast series. For more information, email us at pa underscore life skills underscore lifestyle at pa.gov.sg. That is pa underscore life skills underscore lifestyle at pa.gov.sg. Do remember to subscribe to our channel and be updated on our latest episode. I'm your host, Ryan Liv, and I look forward to having you in our next episode.